back to Thick and Thin with me, Katie Pilati, and tonight's episode, I can already tell you, is something that's quite controversial because tonight I'm finally talking about influencers and I'm getting extremely real, so real that I feel like I might offend some people, probably my own friends I'll be offending by making this episode because I'm going to get extremely real, I have nothing to hide. Um, you know, personally, my, you know, my dealings with being an influencer or whatever you would call me, kind of a half influencer, and then, you know, my opinions on other influencers and people especially who do it for a living and that's all they all they do. When I say all that they do, it's some quotations because certainly they do a lot that goes into being an influencer. I'm not going to discount, you know, all the work that they do, but it is one of those careers that very much relies on superficial things and, you know, there's some I mean there's a lot of influencers that you know delve into more controversial more heartfelt subjects which I truly admire on so many levels but there are we can all agree some people that strictly are like this is what I'm wearing today I'm so happy-go-lucky all the time la-di-da you know lightly skims the surface on body positivity or little issues like not little issues big issues in a little way but not really doing anything to really instill change and so Anyway, again, I feel like I've already offended people and I'm a minute and a half in, so, you know, I'm keeping it real. These are my opinions, okay? Like, I'm not forcing you to feel any certain way about this, but this is how I feel. So I'm going to talk about a lot of your assumptions you guys have um, about influencers and whether or not I feel like they're true. Um, I do want to, before I get into like everything else I'm talking about, I just, I this is so funny. If there's one thing you can listen to from this episode, listen to this, like, there is one I said what are your what are some assumptions you have about influencers and I'm scrolling through and when you look at responses to questions on Instagram it always puts your friends first like your friends responses and the first one is from my dad who just recently discovered how to use Instagram and he said they don't call home enough about me so like yeah that's that's a subtweet if I've ever heard one so anyway um (laughs) yeah let's get into the episode so I have a ton to say like quite a lot of things I don't even know where to begin really but I guess I will start by just saying despite having a lot to say I don't have any just prepared notes or bulleted points or anything for this I'm just kind of gonna I'm gonna try to keep it as chronological as possible kind of you know just just describing where I started with influencering and like do I consider myself an influencer kind of like those uh starting questions and then going into my true feels and opinions on how big influencers have become have it has it become dishonest um you know how much we're paid things like that just just kind of gonna progress in that sort of way so yeah Bear with me here, it's going to be quite the ride, but I swear this will be something for the books because I never thought that I would be sitting down and talking about this for 45 minutes. So anyway, um, I guess I'll just start out by talking about my first brand deal or my first, you know, stepping stone into or just dipping my toe rather into the world of being an influencer. So I remember it very distinctly. I was thinking about this on the train um, tonight because I was trying to think of just my, my first experience with, you know, a brand reaching out to me and being like, you know, let's, let's do something together or like, let's, let's make a deal here. 
And I'm not going to lie, for the first few years of my YouTube career, so as you guys know, I started on YouTube in 2009. So I was 14 years old, you know, filming videos secretly in my bedroom. Um, my eyebrows were way too far apart. I just thought that I was a genius <laughs> at makeup and everything. And so that's what my videos were about. I was sitting down and instructing people on how to do things because that's what I thought that I could do because, you know, I could do anything at age 14. Um, no, truly, I had a lot of confidence that uh, I think wore kind of... So basically, I was really not confident in real life, like the opposite of con confident. I was very meek. I was very shy. Um, and then for whatever reason, being confident on YouTube was like my alter ego type of personality. And then eventually, it actually became real. And I was like that in real life, still am, obviously. I've kind of grown into this personality. Um, at first, it was like I had these very separate egos, you know, or... Um, personas and now it's just who I I feel like I people ask me this is actually one of the frequently asked questions in my dms it's like would your friends say that you're the same in real life as you are you know on online like on your instagram and your podcast and I would hope the answer is yes obviously when you're you know sitting talking to a microphone for 45 minutes you're going to be a little different than when you were sitting you know at a restaurant talking to a, a person that's you know speaking back to you but I like to think that I'm the same um, I'm growing to be kind of more of the same. I do feel like I sometimes censor myself. Okay, I, I'm going off topic here. Anyway, I'll get into the censoring in a minute. But my first brand deal was, I believe it was like probably 2011 or so, like a couple of years into me making my videos when I started kind of shifting to making more beauty-oriented videos. So VH uh, Cosmetics was my very first sponsor. I remember them, you know, asking for my address and, you know, me like being so nervous to give out my address to a stranger. And so I honestly, I don't know why I did it. I, yeah, classic, like a kid not listening to their parents. Like I literally gave BH Cosmetics my address, like my home address in Maryland. And they sent me, I believe I did. I don't think I had a PO box at that point. I don't think I've ever had a PO box. Not that I remember or like recall, recall English. Um, but yeah, so basically I got this this makeup palette from BH Cosmetics. If you are, you know, a longtime YouTube watcher, you probably have seen these like very iconic palettes. They were like BH Cosmetics, but what was the other brand? It was like Coastal Scents. Coastal Scents sent me something too after that, but I don't know if Coastal Scents is still a thing, but it was like those palettes, the, the very teeny tiny eyeshadows, like rainbow eyeshadows. And BH Cosmetics sent me a palette and basically they said like, we'll send you a palette in exchange for a video on the palette. And this was back when, I guess, I mean, at least in my experience of being like 16 at the time, where a brand could ask you to post something in exchange for product that was this product, mind you, was like $40. So like I literally did a whole dedicated video to BH Cosmetics. It's still on YouTube for in exchange for a $40 palette. Like I didn't obviously have a <laughs> strong management at the time. Um, I didn't sign with my actual manager until I think like probably six months after this and she was like Katie what are you doing don't do that but up until then I was like yeah $40 palette obviously I'm gonna do a video in exchange for this gift and now it's like people receive all these crazy gifts all the time half of them don't even disclose that they're gifts which is against FTC guidelines and a lot of other things but that's a whole nother subject but yeah so that was the first time I ever did a brand deal and from there on out you know, I was working, I, I have a management company that I, or a manager, management company, yeah, same thing. I work with a manager. Her name is Abigail, and she has been with me, I've been with her, rather, for 
since I was like 16 ish. So a long time. Um, it actually started out with a, I had, I've shifted hands in management a few times, but it's all been the same company. They've just shifted names, shifted people in charge, et cetera. But, um, I absolutely love my management. I'm with Matter Media Group. They are a really great management team. They, the best part about them is that they understand that I have another job and, you know, that's fully okay. And they respect that I have my day job and that I also do influencing, you know, part-time almost. Like it was more of a full-time thing when I was in college and had more time, but now it's, I like to say it's part-time, but it feels still kind of full-time. Not, not the, you know, the brand deal element of it, but just the creating element, which I love. So I would never give it up, but yeah. So I work with my management directly and they help me essentially get partnered with brands. So people ask me in my DMs a lot, um, frequently in my dms over this subject um you know whether or not i reach out to brands or brands reach out out to me so primarily actually i would say 99 percent of the time brands reach out to me or my management knowing my interests will reach out to brands but i don't personally reach out to brands basically brands typically will come to me with a concept and you know an idea a campaign they want to launch and they'll either flat out say you know how many deliverables and how much they want to pay me or they'll come to me with the concepts and then I send back a proposal of what I would create for them and then from there we work on a cost and all of which is facilitated through my management I would not be able to handle the, the workload of this on my own um, and I pay my management 15 percent of everything I believe actually it's 20 now (laughs) we've negotiated Um, they do a lot for me so um, 20 percent roughly of each deal that I get from them that they bring me they take that cut Um, just for you know organizing it for just literally being rock stars start to finish when I'm late on things because I yeah anyway they are really really great and I really love them a lot and I've been with them for a while so it almost feels kind of like a family relationship and yeah so that is kind of how the brand deal process works so in the spirit of true honesty um, I do want to disclose how much money I make on uh, various social platforms because I feel like that's a huge question and something that is just so taboo something that's so just left in the dark I feel like to a lot of people, um, especially people that aren't influencers and even people that are influencers, they don't know how much to charge. And it's this huge gray area that no one talks about. And that's crazy because you could look up any job description, you know, normal job, not, I don't want to say normal, but another job, like my job at L'Oreal and figure out almost exactly how much I make just from Googling. So finding out how much an influencer makes is a lot harder to figure out. So I think the reason honestly behind it is because we can hardly figure out how much we're worth because the concept or the just idea of an influencer changes every day or especially how many of us there are and just who's more relevant, what makes someone more relevant, you know, the concept of fake followers, etc. And I do want to say a very big thing that goes into from a brand side, it's actually pretty unique this episode because I get to speak to it from a brand side because I work for L'Oreal, but then also from a influencer side because I am an influencer. So from a brand side really quick, 
we a lot of times at L'Oreal when we're looking into influencers to use and to partner with we look into engagement engagement rate engagement number um, we analyze followers for fake followers okay like it's a real thing that brands do and should be doing it's extremely easy to purchase an app that just does the work for you you type their name in and you can see how many fake followers how many followers they bought so we look for authenticity above all and then also engagement so if someone has 3 million followers and they only get 3,000 likes something's off there in terms of engagement because you know either they bought followers or their followers just are ghost followers and aren't engaged you know obviously a brand wants to work with an influencer whose followers give a shit (laughs) okay for lack of a better way to put it and are interested in what they create so a lot of times brands this is speaking from an influencer ask me for my engagement and ask me for my impressions and ask me for those numbers that we see in our panels on Instagram and every brand should quite frankly do that because a lot of brands just go with people you know the attractive millions upon millions of followers and don't realize that some of these people literally have just all ghost followers all purchased followers or their campaigns won't you know have a a lift and when I say lift I mean a sales lift so If an influencer calls out a product, a brand will look at their sales for that week or that day and see if there's a lift. And most of the time, if the person has fake followers or not a lot of engaged followers, there'll be zero lift and the brand just spend money for nothing. So yeah, and it also depends on if a brand brand wants awareness or if they want actual engagement to the point of purchasing. It all just depends on what the brand wants through the campaign. So some brands just want to activate as many influencers as possible at the same time on the same day so it floods the newsfeed. You guys have definitely seen this before, especially in fashion. Do you remember the Dior cross or the Dior saddlebag when Dior like gifted all of these influencers the same bag and had them all post on the same time and the same day? Like it was absurd and it took over my Instagram feed. Um, controversial, but you know, I guess it was kind of effective because therefore, you know, the saddlebag trend took off um, despite the fact that all of these influencers or most of them didn't disclose that it was a gift and there was some drama. But anyway, so that is kind of, I guess, a little, did I even tell you how much I make? I like totally diverted my ask or my question there. But um, so basically it, it really just depends on the First of all, the platform. Second of all, what I'm creating. So, or, and also the package, because sometimes brands will purchase a package, so to speak. So they'll buy, I I don't want to call it like a menu, but it's kind of like a menu. So they'll, you know, order a video that's uh, either a dedicated video, which means the whole video is only calling out their brand, no other competitor brands, no other, you know, it's really dedicated. Or, a 30 second mention, uh, a minute long mention, etc. you know, a three minute long mention, things like that, or uh, where the, the video isn't fully dedicated to their brand, or they can buy, you know, like one of those and three Instagram posts, three story posts, etc. So it really depends on how many assets, what assets, what platforms, etc. But uh, I do, I guess I'll, I mean, it, it honestly varies based on the negotiation because sometimes a brand will come to me that I really just freaking love. Like I use it all the time. I love the brand. I love their clothes. I love their, you know, what just whatever it is, their service. A lot of them are services. And I, even if they lowball and they give me a price that isn't fully what I'm worth, or I, I hate phrasing it like that because 
it's it just sounds really you know sellouty but I'll still sometimes partner with them just because I really truly enjoy the brand so it's really organic and authentic for me and it's something where it's like wow like I get to work with this brand and help them shape their brand a brand that I actually use so for example like a free people or something you guys see me post about all the time you know or um, a number of things so like fossil for example was a huge win for me there because I truly love fossil like I've been wearing fossil accessories since the beginning of time so it was really great that I got to partner with them they were probably one of my longest standing partners that I worked with or you know eco tools makeup brushes was another one that I worked with a lot um, for an extended period of time throughout uh, college because and it was great because I actually use their brushes every single day so things like that um I do want to say I think I don't think I've noted this before but because I work at L'Oreal for my nine to five I can't work with beauty brands anymore um, from an influencer perspective just because of just conflict of interest and just a lot of things get hairy there also a lot of beauty brands have stopped you know sending me their PR mailers and things like that because I could you know it's like insider you know information you know that they don't want to get into the hands of L'Oreal Paris so that's something that I thought was super interesting and controversial but Anyway, I've still dodged how much money I'm making. I don't know. I didn't mean to do that. I've just been segueing. So, no, this is truly a ploy for you guys to keep listening. So it, it just does depend on the deliverables. But for the most part, I typically get, this is just typically speaking, I typically get roughly anywhere from 2500 to probably 5k uh, an Instagram post. And so sometimes when I do just like a grid post, just a grid post. And sometimes I'll do a grid post and then a story post or something of that nature, you know, and it's sometimes the same price. Like I said, it just depends on negotiations with the brand and what we can get. And I decide whether or not I think it's worth it. And a lot of times I pass because it's either just not worth the time putting in to, you know, this campaign they want. Um, Because oftentimes, you know, shooting a campaign image means me begging one of my friends and, you know, going out in the middle of the street and being, you know, snapping pictures before the light fades because I'm racing home from work and just a lot of things, okay? Um, I work very hard to get these these photos and stuff for you guys that you look at and you're like, oh, she's just trying to get money. I'm like, well, partially, but I mean, if we're being honest here, but most of the time it's because I really do respect the brands and I want to work with them more at any capacity. Yeah, that's just honesty there. Um, so anyway, that is for Instagram, um, for like a full package. So it'd be like an Instagram photo, three stories and a video on YouTube, um, dedicated video. It would be probably upwards of anywhere from 10 to 15 K sometimes more, depending on what we can negotiate. Um, because of, you know, how many, sometimes I do an extra post or like things like that. Like I said, it's really hard to come up with a exact number for this. And something I do want to say, because a lot of you guys are probably sitting there with your jaws to the ground of how much money this is, um, this is all before taxes. I think this is something else that people really do not understand. Even influencers themselves, when they're starting out, do not understand that, you know, once you get all this money from these brands, you can't go out and buy yourself seven Gucci handbags because you have to give them basically 40% of everything you earn from each paycheck to the tax man in April. So, you know, April 15th is a scary day for freelancers and for people of 
the influencer variety. Um, most people pay taxes quarterly, which is smart, and that's what I do. Um, but a lot of people wait until the last minute, or they invest stuff, and then they just a lot of things, um, and they end up paying like upwards of twenty thousand dollars in April. And if I didn't pay quarterly, I last year would have probably paid just about. $18,000 to the tax man. Um, I always say the tax man because that's what my dad used to say. Um, because, you know, from each paycheck I get from various YouTube campaigns, 40% of it I must put into savings right away. I put more than that, to be honest, just because I'm a big saver. But yeah, so that's just to give you, you an idea of yes, we do make X amount of, you know, money off of our posts and stuff, but we have to be smart, really smart with saving it. And it helps me. Um, that I have my normal nine to five job because I get to, you know, obviously I, I get to have some fun. Like I feel like if I just was an influencer, I'd be super stressed all the time about, you know, making, just having savings and stuff. I think the the biggest thing that, that there is to know about me is, you know, not only did I choose to become, you know, to have a real job, quote unquote, that's in quotes, uh, having a nine to five per se, while also being an influencer, one of the main motivations for me was obviously just security because I love, I love what I do online. I love creating dope content for you guys and making these podcasts and really inspiring people, trying to instill change. That is my main goal. I want to be on the internet to show you guys that you can be comfortable in your own skin, that you can feel confident and beautiful and that, you know, half the guys that break your heart don't mean shit like that is my main message I think um (laughs) and I I love being able to do that any way that I can because I feel like sometimes when you're an influencer and that's all you do you kind of have to play the play the game of being an influencer the right way and you have to be that happy-go-lucky you know kind of just posting things like oh my god you guys asked about my skincare routine with like the the maroon five playing in the background of their instagram stories you know all the unboxings all this stuff like look at me look at me look at me look at this event i went to that i went to for literally 10 minutes to take a picture and then i left there's so much that you that you can kind of sleuth and figure out about people uh i mean also i just know for a fact that a lot of people are social climbery especially in the city, I've, I've just, I've noticed it. Um, and, you know, there is, there's a such thing as networking. Yeah, there totally is. But there's also a such thing as, you know, just pretending to be friends with someone to get more followers. And that's just totally something that happens. And there's also a such thing of, of people buying followers to look like they're getting more popular and they're gaining followers and they're slowly buying more and more and more so it looks like they're getting more popular and it tricks people into thinking that they're actually organically growing especially brands it's just it's a sick game there's it's such a game and not to say that everyone is playing the game I really do follow some authentic quote-unquote influencers on Instagram that I really truly love but for whatever reason I think it's just because I relate to them more since I do have a nine-to-five I love following people that also have other things that they do you know that they have other side hustles they do other things they either are a writer or a freelancer or an artist or just a creator of some of some sort I I tend to like people like that just because I feel like they they do other things I don't know if that's like a you know gonna cause controversy but they do more than just post their outfits and things of that nature. I love people that are multifaceted in that way. You know, they either are passionate about interior decorating or like other things than just posting their meals and posting their outfits. And that's just how I am, plain and simple. So that's, those are the type of people that I follow and that's the type of person I'm trying to be in turn because I feel like, you know, 
making YouTube videos since I was 16 or 14, however old I was, 14, um, you know, I, I've always had the mantra of I create content for people that are like-minded to me. So I create content that I would want to see. Create the content that you would want to see, kind of like Gandhi. <laughs> yeah. um, and that's what I, in turn, want to do as an Instagram human because I feel like by posting me at my desk at work and things I do to de-stress after work and like things that people can relate to I think that that is the type of content that people need to see because I think a lot of times some influencers are really out of touch with you know the the working class and I actually posted this as an influencer someone was this is an assumption that someone assumed in my dms and I posted it on my feed and I said or on my stories rather and I said, um, do you agree or disagree with this statement? The statement being that influencers are out of touch with the working class. And 93% of you guys agreed with that, that influencers are relatively, mostly out of touch with the working class. And I found this super interesting. I didn't really realize that many of you guys felt that way. I hope you don't feel that way about me because I try to post as much about my job and about just the realities of working a nine to five as possible. Um, and like I said, the main reason, my main motivation for having a nine to five job is not only because I want to learn in my job and I want, you know, X, Y, and Z within the job and I love it, but also because I really think that there's a lot that I can share with you guys about my journey, you know, having a job. And I feel like there's a lot of people that don't talk about the actual true highs and lows of having a nine to five. And so I want to kind of shatter that and talk about it honestly with you guys. And I feel like in my podcast, I've really gotten to do that, which is really awesome. So I think that that's a unique but obviously time-consuming and I'm tired having to balance sometimes um, but I think it's overall rewarding being able to help you guys with your anxieties about your career and stuff so in the spirit of talking about brands that I know and love HelloFresh is one of them so if you guys aren't aware HelloFresh is America's number one meal kit number one meal kit I will say that one more time where you can get easy seasonal recipes and pre-measured ingredients delivered right to your front door no shopping lists involved no you know trips to the grocery store involved all you have to do is open up your box cook and enjoy it also helps you break out of your recipe dinner rut so even if you are a great cook and you like you know cooking and such uh, it helps you try new things that you wouldn't other otherwise prepare for yourself because I feel like sometimes we get in a rut of just making the same old things over and over again so HelloFresh helps you break out of that recipe rut and also it's extremely customizable so you can add extra meals to your weekly order or any yummy add-ons like garlic bread and cookie dough. Um, essentially it makes cooking delicious meals at home a reality even for people like me who work crazy hours and also we just have no talent in the kitchen so I really rely on HelloFresh for making awesome meals that I, I come home and I know I have something in the fridge I can make and I know exactly how to make it it's one of those things that just lightens my load just that much so I feel I can come home to something delicious and not have to worry about you know ordering something on an app or something and it just makes my life that much easier and also HelloFresh has more five-star recipes than any other meal kit out there so you know you're gonna get something great with every box which is always a plus and as always guys I do have a special deal for you all my lovely listeners for $80 off of your first month of HelloFresh all you have to do is go to hellofresh.com slash Katie that's k-a-t-y b as in boy eight zero and enter Katie b 80 
That's K-A-T-Y-B-8-0 for $80 off your first month. So that's like receiving eight meals for free or $20 off of your first four boxes with HelloFresh. So that is it for tonight's sponsor. Thank you to HelloFresh for sponsoring this episode of Thick and Thin. And on with the podcast. Alrighty, so now we are going to answer some questions, or I'm going to answer some questions that you guys asked about the influencer realm, um, you know, speaking from a personal level here, and just answering a lot of taboo questions that I feel like are never really spoken about. So we're going to do that. We are, we're in it. We are in it to win it. Okay, so I'm going to answer just a bunch of, bunch of questions. Someone asks, um, does being an influencer sometimes tire you out? Definitely. I think honestly any job or any sort of hobby that either turns into a job or anything, just honestly anything in life can tire you out. And I think it honestly comes down to the pressure I put on myself because there was a time where I would spontaneously combust or just freak out if I didn't post on Instagram every day, if I didn't post on YouTube every Friday. I literally had this point you guys might remember if you watched me on YouTube or watched me religiously when I posted consistently, um, I would break my back to post a video every week, even if it was a subpar video. And same with Instagram. You know, before we had the whole theme concept of color schemes, I would just post anything just to post it, just to have something up. Because I was obsessed with, you know, just showing you guys that I'm not dead, <laughs> like, you know, being like, oh, look at me, remember me, don't forget about me. But then I realized that I, I, honestly value now quality over quantity always I think that posting a really solid post a really solid podcast a really solid video even if it takes a little bit longer is something that you know I as a consumer would prefer than just like a half-assed you know creation of some sort Um, and influencers are always so tough on themselves about I mean, our creators in general are really tough on their own work and never think something's finished. But, you know, once you've spent like a significant amount of time brainstorming and creating something and, you know, posting it, if it takes a little bit longer than posting every week, I think that's fine. That's something I've accepted. And that definitely has led me to becoming less exhausted over my work um, because I'm not just, you know, pumping out content after content after content piece and, it all being kind of subpar, okay? And I know the algorithm is kind of like out to get us on Instagram and like if you don't post enough, people don't engage with your stuff enough, they're not going to be seeing it in your feed and that's definitely something that I take into consideration but also you guys are freaking awesome and I feel like you guys engage with my content enough or I guess care about what I post enough that I don't feel like the algorithm has really gotten to me yet. I don't feel that I've, you know, my posts aren't seen by as many people anymore. I feel like I've kind of stayed afloat and so that's good. If you guys like what you see, <laughs> definitely comment even if it's something stupid because then your content, my content will be at the, you know, top sort of part of your feed when you log on to Instagram and you won't forget about me. <laughs> so it's a little subtle plug there, but Yeah, being an influencer is exhausting sometimes, but I feel like it's something that's so rewarding to me because I do it for the right reasons. You know, I wouldn't still be doing this, you know, influencer-ness stuff if I had my nine to five, if I suddenly realized that I don't like, you know, it's not rewarding anymore. I wouldn't be doing it anymore. I truly think that I'm here. I hate to, I don't want to like, you know, brag or be braggy at all, but I feel like I definitely am making some change here I'm instilling some change I'm creating some waves I'm saying something you guys really desperately need to hear and I'm not going to stop doing that okay so despite the exhaustion someone says how do you fit a full-time job YouTube tattoos podcast and social life um again it, it gets exhausting but I think the biggest thing that helps me number one is having a manager 
that helps me manage my life. Um, number two, prioritizing, knowing when I have to say no to things, knowing when I need to stay in and I can't go to the party, knowing when I just need to skip a deadline. You know, sometimes I'm going to have to say, sorry, I can't make that deadline. Sorry, we have to, you know, negotiate it. And people are so obsessed with, you know, not letting people down that sometimes they can't even let themselves do that. But for me, it's like, okay, you guys a lot of times are expecting podcast episodes on this day. I'm sorry, but I'm literally going to spontaneously combust. If I put it out on that day, I need to wait a few days. You guys aren't going to like, you know, cry yourselves to sleep or something. It's going to be okay. You know, you have to stop worrying that the world is going to end if something, if you don't, you know, deliver on something. It's like the world will be there when you wake up. The work will be there when you wake up. Give yourself a break. You know, cut yourself some slack. You're not perfect. That's what I convince myself. And I just try every morning to wake up and think I'm going to do my best today. I'm going to do as much as I physically can without, you know, just going over my limit of doing things. So, yeah. It also means a lot of times for tattoos, especially people are going to be waiting a little bit. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. Um, why do influencers think they're celebrities? Well, you know, I've been asking myself the same question for a long time. <laughs> I think a lot of influencers just, I, I really don't know, guys. I think that some people, like, just think they're God. Like, they, they just think that it's, like, their opinions. I, I think it gets, sometimes the numbers go to people's heads. And the brand recognition goes to people's heads. And some people, a lot of people don't even know they're doing it, but they become really condescending to their followers. And I've never wanted to be that way and I hope I'm not I hope I'm speaking from a place where I'm not one of those people um because I feel like once you start to think that your influencers are kind of like your influencers your followers are kind of quite literally your followers like they literally follow you like you are some god or something and you're some emperor of an ancient civilization like that's when I think that you've let it go a little too far and go to your head you know I I think Instagram calling followers followers is the worst thing ever like the worst thing ever they I don't know what they should be called like I don't have an alternative solve but I think that calling followers followers has kind of contributed to the way that influencer culture is going you know and it's not a pretty direction okay I think that you know Instagram needs to rethink that I think they're trying I think that's why they're trying to eliminate likes and things like that um I don't know if that's really going to go over well with a lot of people I I'm kind of indifferent on the subject I I know a lot of people have asked me about this in my dms like what I think about it I think it kind of does dilute the work that people do a little bit um especially people that buy followers it's going to be a lot harder to tell if they buy followers and it's going to be a lot easier for brands to invest in people that have fake followers so I think if Instagram really goes into the direction of losing the like number under the posts which they're going in that direction I think it's going to mean that we're going to have to get a lot smarter about the people we follow okay continuing with the questions someone asked me about what influencers I trust most um so for the reasons I don't want to just you know you know, only talk about my friends and the people I'm friends with that are influencers and to answer someone else's question yes it's possible for influencers to actually be friends um like legitimately friends there's some people that try to be friends with me I hate you know acting like this but try to be friends with me and I know it's from a a non-authentic place and so I weed those out right away I do not put up with it I'm never mean but I I know when people are I I have a, a good nose for those sort of things but 
anyway, I'm not going to talk about like my friend, friend, friends, okay? They're, these are some people that I feel like need the recognition because they are freaking awesome and do influencing the right way and people should should give them credit for that because they're really great and I actually buy the things they talk about and trust them, trust their opinions. So the first one I want to say is Elena Tabor. Her username is Elena, so it's E-L-E-N-A-T-A-B-E-R. I hope I'm saying her last name right. I think I am. She's New York-based. She's a smaller um, influencer, but she's gaining followers like no one's business. And really, she's like her feed is just stunning. Like I really respect her in so many different ways. Um, and I love that she she is mostly a full-time influencer, but she also does a lot of – she's just passionate about a lot of projects and a lot of things that I feel like – she does does justice to a lot of different causes. She's really great. I just truly enjoy her content. She like posts things that she knows might not get a lot of likes, but she posts them because they are beautiful things she wants to post. And I respect something. I respect that. You know, people that post things that they know might not get a lot of likes. Um, okay, I love her. I'm scrolling. I have so many people that I freaking follow in this world. Um, I also really love Tar Mars. Tara, her name is Tara, but... It's tar, T-A-R, Tara Mars, is that how you say it? T-A-R-M-A-R-Z. Love following her as well. Again, New York creator. She's a little bit smaller as well. Um, she deserves a million freaking followers. I love her content. I literally am getting my hair cut by her hairstylist next week because I trust her opinion that much. Um, highly recommend her as well. I feel like I'm to the point where I really, really trust smaller influencers. And when I say smaller, I don't mean like, I hate saying like smaller influencers and micro influencers because numbers aren't everything. But I think the smaller the influencer is, the more I trust them just because they haven't gotten tainted by like all the brands that are after them yet. Um, I also really love Ella Rose. Her username is Ella, E-L-L-A-A Rose. Um, I actually got the chance to meet her the other week and I like fangirled over her and she's like, why are you fangirling over me? Like you have more followers than me. I'm like, no, I literally, I, I go to the places she goes to. Like when she eats somewhere and I'm like, that looks amazing. I put on my list. Like I screenshot it. So she influences me. (laughs) Um, okay. Answering more questions. Someone said, do you ever just want to quit? So I assume they mean quit being an influencer or quit all of this. Like, no. And you'd think that there would be, like, maybe something that crosses my mind. Sometimes I I think about dialing back on, like, a certain platform. Like, YouTube I've definitely slowed down with just because I feel like most of my passion now is on the podcast. Like, I'm really, really passionate about this. And then also just, you know, staying afloat with my 9 to 5. It's, like, something's got to give, sort of. So YouTube has definitely taken the back burner. I'm, again, I'm doing more quality over quantity with that. I'm just trying to produce great content versus a ton of, subpar content for that um but no it, it's never really crossed my mind of quitting altogether I, I don't feel that this is enough of like a an obligation you know it doesn't feel like a job it doesn't feel like an obligation it feels like something I do because I want to and because I feel like I have this duty almost to you know say the things that are hard to say and I I've always stood by that and you know, I, I don't want to, you know, sound like I'm putting myself on a pedestal, but I do think that I have a responsibility here to help people see things differently. And that's what I plan on doing till I die. Okay. So someone asks, what is your opinion on influencers only showing the positives to their life? Well, I think it kind of is twofold. So number one, it kind of digs that influencer into a hole because people will start questioning whether or not they are actually like that 24 seven. And as we know, 
No one is like that 24-7. No one is like that 24-5, okay? No one's like that. Everyone has highs and lows, and I think influencers that only portray the positives, although I think a lot of them do it out of the they they do it for a good reason they like only want to show the best parts of their life you know the highlights and show people that they can be positive all the time whatever but I think it's dishonest and it honestly will make their life a lot harder because sometimes there's days where you're not in a great mood and you're in a funk and those are the days when I podcast about emotional things and I really put it all out there and I'm like this I had a bad day I literally started one of my episodes saying I had a bad day and it's actually so liberating and freeing to be that type of influencer where you show it all because you can have days like that and I feel like those days are the days where I create my best content you know days where I feel like I'm not 100% happy and so I feel like that that's one of the reasons why I feel like it's just a bad bad look but also it, it shows people it sends the wrong message a lot of times because some people do believe that that influencer is literally so happy their life is so perfect they're you know, they have a, a perfect boyfriend in a perfect apartment in New York and they don't have a, have to go to their job at 8 a.m. in the morning, you know, half wet hair, they get to, you know, go to Pilates and then make a YouTube video and that's their life. But truly, I think that that puts the, the influencer in a place where their life is kind of a lie to the, you know, the general public and it kind of discounts the things that they're actually feeling and that they are human and they are real and deserve respect, but it also makes people feel like they need to be like that and that they can be perfect, which is unattainable. And so there's a lot of things wrong with that, I think, personally. Um, it's kind of my answer to that question. Okay, a couple more questions, and then I'm going to bed because I'm tired. Um, okay, so how do brands measure the success of sponsorships? So this is a really great question I feel like not a lot of people address. So brands typically, I'll work with a brand, you know, we'll do the whole campaign, and then after the campaign is said and done, they'll ask me uh, for analytics on all of my posts. So they'll ask me for, you know, all of my Instagram analytics, you know, how many impressions, how many engagements, how many, if it's a story, how many click-throughs to the links that I provided, how many people shared, you know, the posts. That's why a lot of influencers will say, you know, enter this giveaway. All you have to do is, you know, like or save this post and do this. It's like they're doing it so they can increase their number of, you know, impressions, engagements, and just essentially it's an engage an engagement you know an engagement is when you do something to the the impost you know either comment or share it or do something to it and then an impression is just if you if you see it if you view it basically um so yeah that is something that brands will ask you for after the fact they'll ask you for youtube analytics so like how many people watched your video i know what was the average amount of time people stayed on the video for um, a lot of different factors with that. Sometimes they'll give you trackable links so they can see how many people click on the link that you provide in the description box. Um, those sort of things. For podcasts, they'll ask you how many listens your podcast gets. Um, and that is how brands measure success. Uh, they also measure it in terms of on their end, on the back end, the, the sales lift. So if they, you know, seeded, which is, you know, gave influencers a bunch of products, that's what seeding is. Um, if there's a sales lift, you know, the week that the influencers promoted the product on, on their social, that also measures a, a level of, of success. Um, so yeah, that is how brands evaluate success. And a lot of times you'll know if, a, if an influencer was successful because they continue to work with the same brand, you know, day in, day out. That means 
obviously there's a reason that the brand partnered with them again because they did well in terms of their engagement and impressions and whatever the brand is looking for in terms of success. Okay, next question. Um, Do companies always tell you a few taglines about the product you have to say when promoting it? The answer is yes. A lot of times brands, they won't give you a direct script. And if they do, that's a very easy no from my side. I'm not going to read off of the script. I'm going to use the product if I genuinely like it or if I already like it, you know, I'll talk about it. And that's how That's my system. Some influencers will do otherwise, but that is my system. And usually if I've never tried the product or I've heard of it, but I haven't personally tried it, I will allow myself up to three weeks to try the product and really see if I like it. Um, Sometimes longer, but usually it's like a minimum three weeks. I, you know, and some brands are like, no, we want this posted next week. And I'm like, okay, tough luck. I'm not doing it because I need to make sure I'm endorsing a product I actually use and like. And so, yeah. So what was I answering again? Um, Oh, taglines. So yes, sometimes uh, companies will give you either like a hashtag they want you to use just so it's trackable, which is understandable, or a tagline being, you know, something about the company that you want to call out that they really want called out. Um, And that's not dishonest, I don't think. I think it's just a part of the machine of, you know, advertising. It's like a company will want you to give your personal opinion, but they also want you to say, this is what our brand is about because, you know, consumers are curious. Okay, well, what is this brand about? And so the brand is like, well, our brand is about X, Y, Z. And so they want you to say it, but it's always in your own words. And if it's not, that's another reason why I'll pass on something. It's like, I'm not reading off a script, like I said. So sometimes I'll say things brands ask me to say, but it's always in my own words. And I always make sure that I agree with what I'm saying. And it's not just like something just spewing out of my mouth that I don't even hear or agree with. Um, But that's something that every influencer you probably see on your feed will work with a a brand on doing so it's nothing crazy I'm just probably the first one admitting to it um yeah so okay I'm literally talking gibberish because I'm exhausted right now it is 10 30 and I'm a grandma and I have work tomorrow so that is where I'm cutting off this uh episode I hope that I was able to kind of just uncloud some some truth surrounding influencing and how, you know, there is some truth to influencers, but there's also some games involved with influencers. And maybe I'll make a part two to this because I feel like there's some things I didn't get to, you know, talk about that I do still want to talk about on the subject, Um, you know, how to spot a fake influencer, whatever, things like that. But, you know, this is a good starting point. I think that we got some great conversation in and I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Uh, Yeah. And I will talk to you guys all next week. Bye.